Welcome to Making Action Happen with Sarah Blackhurst and Brian McCain. We're here to discuss public policy issues in our home state of Colorado and beyond. Making Action Happen is presented by Action 22. Find out about our organization at action22.org. Now, here are your hosts, Sarah Blackhurst and Brian McCain. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Action 22. I'm Sarah Blackhurst, and this is Brian D. McCain. And the D stands for? Don't you want to know? <laughs> <laughs> so today we've got Dave Young, who is our treasurer for Colorado. Um, he is running for office, uh, you know, for re-election for that seat. But he's been such a wonderful Action 22 member. And he's got all these really, this really great information for us. He always attends our meetings. And there's some really cool things we're going to talk about that could actually get money back in your pocket. So mm-hmm. you're going to want to listen all the way through because we're saving that part for the end. But uh, Dave is just, I always say he's the nicest man in politics. I stand by that. Um, but he's also a, a teacher. He's a professor. He's an instructor. Um, and so he's always so beneficial for us to learn everything we can about things we don't normally think about with regard to the treasury and money and how things are done. And, and you know, it's something that um, not many people, not the average voter, they don't think about this position at all. And it's good. And Dave has always come to our events and we always say, hey, can you speak? And you always say yes. And we learn something new every time. And so do our members. So thank you. Good. Yep. We're always excited to have you. So Dave, let's start with, there's four things we wanted to talk about today, Mm -hmm. but let's start with um, just a quick update on Climber. And if you've been around Action 22 for the last two years, this is a project that you've been working on and um, our Action 22 members have gotten briefed um, quite a bit. So just give us an update on where that's at. Great. Well, thanks. And and, uh, Sarah and um, Brian, thanks so much for having me on. It's always a pleasure. Uh, and I really appreciate the fact that you want to get the word out about these uh, programs. So, Climber, you know, I was down here, what, two years ago, October. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was, I think, the first presentation I did on that. We were still trying to put the nuts and bolts together. Uh, the good news is is that we've actually put all the nuts and bolts together on, on Climber. It's a quarter-billion-dollar small business loan program for businesses with less than 100 employees. Uh, we launched this thing, and then that was kind of the middle of all of the economic chaos that was going on. Uh, turned out, um, and I should say, these are below market rate interest rate loans uh, to businesses for working capital, uh, 500000 down to now 10000 uh, At the time, it was down to 30000 but uh, what happened was is that we had the PPP program coming at the federal level and several tranches of that, which, as you'll recall, were uh, actually um, forgivable loans. So it, a lot of the attention of businesses as well as lenders turned over to PPP. And so, you know, we took kind of a, not a pause, but we uh, knew that businesses were going to be looking elsewhere. But we're beginning to see now uh, businesses, as that PPP money has kind of run its course, uh, businesses are starting to max out their credit cards. Businesses are starting to go after a line of credit. And, uh, you know, sometimes those interest rates are high. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, again, are offering below market rate interest rates. So we went back to the legislature. We actually uh, changed some of the terms. Um, We had a five-year term. And that's really not industry standard in lending. It uh, it typically is uh, more than that, up to 10 years. And so we changed that 
Uh, because even though if you have low mark, below market rate interest rates, if your term is short, the monthly payments are too high. So we realized that. We made some other changes to include businesses below five employees, uh, even down to single or sole uh, proprietors. And um, we have uh, lowered the amount that someone can borrow, their business can borrow. So we think we've uh, expanded the funnel. And I always say I want people to go to climber-colorado.com and check it out. It may not be the right lending uh, program for a business, but we want every business uh, in the state of Colorado to take a good hard look at it and decide if it's the right one. Well, and even if um, you don't think that you would qualify or anything like that, it's really important to just, it's worth checking out. Um, you're going to be amazed at, at some of the things that um, this they're able to do with this just to help get everybody back on. And that was a really big deal for you. Right. Okay. So and I do want to say, you know, if you go to a lender right now, they may not offer it, but we're in the process of upgrading all of the work we do with lenders with these new terms that came out of the legislature. So, you know, be patient, but we're, we're working it. But in the meantime, go check Colorado, uh, colorado.com just to see what it's all about. So the number two thing that you want to announce and tell everybody about is um, a new retirement savings for anybody, right? Well, you know, we have um, Colorado Para. That's the Public Employees Retirement Association. I'm a member of that uh, board of trustees. This is for public employees, teachers, and and others. Uh, Some counties are involved uh, as well. And uh, uh, so we have state employees involved with that. I'm not talking about para. I'm talking about the private sector. And we did a study back in 2019 when I first uh, got into office, and we discovered there are 1 million people in the private sector. That's 40% of the private sector workforce that don't have access to a retirement savings program at work. And guess what's happening? They're not saving for retirement because there's no easy button that allows them to be able to do this. And so we looked around and we discovered that other states were doing something called an auto IRA opt-out program. And I'll pick that apart a little bit. And we're being very successful with it. So instead of just kind of saying, please go find a plan and start saving, which we discovered doesn't work because people are overwhelmed by the terminology. They don't know what plan is right for them. Uh, What we have is an auto-enroll situation. So we're going to use the payroll deduction of businesses that don't have a plan. We're not going to make the business a fiduciary. We're not going to load them up with a bunch of legal and financial work to do. Uh, We are simply going to use payroll deduction and employees in those businesses are automatically enrolled in the program. So they begin to wait, save wait, wait. right away. So um, do they not, Do they have a choice or not? They do ultimately have a choice because I said auto IRA opt out. Oh, okay. So if they really don't want to do it, they can opt out. Mm-hmm. So it's still voluntary. But what we've discovered in the other states that do this is about 70% of the, of the savers stay in and continue to save. And this is what we want. Now, I've had people say, well, does it have to be Colorado Secure Savings Program? If my small business want to uh, want to start up a, a retirement savings program on our own, can we do that? Certainly. My goal is savers. And the reason I, I want to emphasize that is because we did a study of the cost of doing nothing. If we don't do something, uh, these folks are going to end up productive people in our, in our, in our state that work all uh, an entire career and uh, and get to retirement, and they're in poverty. 
Mm-hmm. You get if you're in poverty in retirement, all of a sudden now you're having to lean on safety net services like being on Medicaid as well as Medicare, being on housing supports, being on uh, the SNAP program, maybe food security. That are all taxpayer funded services, and we actually calculated the cost of doing none, nothing. It's eighteen billion dollars over the next 15 years. And after being on Joint Budget Committee, I know we don't have that money in our budget at all. We're strapped in every part of our budget, so there's no way we can do that. So we've got to get people on a different financial track, and this does that. So, you know, if they save another way, I'm fine with that, but we have to create savers so that people can be sustainable. And my byline that I use all the way along is, everybody deserves a sustainable and dignified retirement. So that's our public uh, employees, that's our private sector employees as well. Everybody in the state, I want to lift up and make sure people are, are sustainable. And this is, I think, a, a way that we're going to be able to do this. Um, we're going to pilot this with a select number of businesses in October, and we're going to fully launch in the new year uh, the Colorado Secure Savings Program. So you're going, to be, you're, you're going to begin to hear a lot about this. And again, this is a big, big deal because it's covering such a huge number of people. But uh, guess what? We left in the legislature when we, when we passed this legislation in 2020, uh, we included the prospect for multi-state partnerships. And uh, turns out that, uh, and again, I should emphasize the fees that the savers pay fund this. This is budget neutral for the state. Uh, the fees are there, uh, and we're keeping them to 1% or less. But uh, New Mexico would love to have a program like this, but they don't have enough savers. The fees would be too high. But if they partner with us, their fees come way down, and so do ours. And so we've already formed a, a memo of cooperation with them. They're going to try to run a bill in the next legislative session, and we're going to welcome them in if they're able to do that. And we have some other states that are interested in as well. What other states are already doing this? Uh, so uh, Oregon, Illinois, and California currently have an auto IRA opt-out program. Uh, you have some other states that are exploring that option, uh, as well as we have multi-employer plans and other plans like that. But uh, I think Virginia is moving this direction. We have uh, the uh, Republican treasurer in Pennsylvania, uh, Stacey Garrity, that's actually trying to uh, run the same program we have using all my talking points. <laughs> so it's really, this is something that shouldn't be partisan. This is about everybody. I don't care whether you're affiliated or um, not affiliated in a party. This is to lift everybody up. And so this is why you see uh, kind of a bipartisan approach on this. And it's it's important too, because most of the the workforce, you know, 20 to 30 year olds, they don't even think about retirement. And right. all of a sudden they hit 40. They're like, oh, wait a minute. Well, and you know, starting early, and saving regularly is the key. So the trouble is getting on the radar screen for people to know they have to do that. So again, it's the easy button. <laughs> we want to make this easy. The opt-out, uh, auto-enroll opt-out seems to be the easy button. Awesome. Well, we can think of a lot of people who that would make a huge difference for, and I'm excited to see this um, roll out. Oh, Star Wars. Sorry. Ah. Oh, th- th- that is the first time that's happened in that- our... Well, and I should switch my I just realized what I <laughs> Oh, I did switch my off. So there. I'm a go. super nerd, and yes, all my ringtones are Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> Forgot. <laughs> Sorry. So hey, over a year without that happening. No, that's, that's impressive. pretty impressive. Yeah. I and I'm I never just thought it was the hook. You were giving me the hook. And, <laughs> all right, we're moving on. 
the, the, the Oscar, the, the Oscar music, right? The, right. Yeah. Yeah. To, yeah. Yeah. To do that. Okay. So, um, we talked about climber. We talked about this. Um, there were two other things we want to talk about. This was an interesting thing. And then we're going to talk about find your money kind of thing, um, which is what everybody always wants to hear about from you at every single meeting. So we ask you about this every time we're with you and we know you're sick of it, but that's okay. But before, I'm not. I love it. Oh, good, good, yeah. good. So before we get into that, now this was interesting. So we asked you kind of what was going on. Um, and for those of you who listen to the show or they watch the show, um, I have a rant on YouTube, um, on our YouTube channel about energy and our concerns about the how, where, why, when, and who's actually going to be impacted by this. Um, and so you were telling us earlier that you've actually, as the treasurer, that sort of unexpectedly, um, there's been some developments, of course, during an election year where everybody's a little bit weird. Um, the, a little bit. Yeah, a lot of it weird, <laughs> including myself. Well, that's why we're oh, going come to on. the legislative barbecue. That's where we get really weird. Ah, oh, yeah. Year. So here in Colorado, it's a tradition. I don't know if you know how many years, and we're getting ready to go over to that later this afternoon or this evening. It's um, about 600 elected officials and politicos from all over the state in a tent sweating. It's yes. this is Can't what wait. this and, is what happens. And everybody <laughs> acts like they love each other. And I, oh, it's so I cannot great. escape the legislative barbecue. I think this is like eighteen years going to it for me. <laughs> right. So. It's so we're going to do that here in a little bit. Um, if you could see, we're all wearing boots, and you know. Okay, so but this was really interesting, and I'm sorry I didn't track it more. But it was something about treasurers getting together to decide about investment in energy. Tell us a little bit about that and tell us how treasurers would have an impact. This is interesting. Well, you know, it is interesting. And I think sometimes people don't understand exactly what we do in the treasurer's office. But uh, we actually, um, I, I, between para and the money that comes through uh, Department of Revenue into the Treasury, at any given time, I'm managing about $80 billion dollars. That's a sizable amount of money, and um, a lot of that is invested. We keep money in the bank to cover obligations. Certainly, you don't want to bounce checks, but any dollar that we can move into investments, we do so in order to get a better return. You would expect that we would do that. Impera has a full-blown portfolio, about $60 billion, that they have uh, equities and uh, alternatives and uh, fixed income and a whole variety of real estate, the whole nine yards of investing in, in the treasury, we can only really invest in very conservative things. But right, right, right. we're interested in, in sustainability. And so when we invest, we're long-term investors. We're not day traders. We're trying to make sure that we have a portfolio that is sustainable for a long period of time. And particularly in para, you know, we have generations of people that want to count on their benefits for retirement being there when they're ready to retire. So we we can't, uh, you know, uh, we have a strong fiduciary duty to make sure that we are looking at the long term when we invest. Interestingly, there was an article in the New York Times, which was reprinted uh, just recently in the uh, Denver Post. It was a front page article a couple of Saturdays ago that talked about the fact that Republican treasurers are banding together and are demanding that um, their money only be invested in companies that are supporting only uh, fossil fuels. And, you know, I, I invest for energy, 
Uh, and I think all the treasurers do that. And no one believes we can live without energy. We have to have energy co- uh, companies. But I think we're also realizing that there are uh, practices that are having major impact on our uh, state and our country and our world uh, that we need to move away from. And uh, so certainly we're not going to do away with fossil fuels in the near term. We need that transition. Everybody's still driving gas-powered cars, but some people are buying electric vehicles. We have electrical generation by um, alternative methods, wind and solar, but also uh, natural gas. And so there's, there's a movement that's happening. Um, and as we see the problems we have with water, the problems we have with recreation, particularly the ski industry and climate change is really impacting our state, it's important that we look to the future and that we in, invest smartly in the long term. And so the announcement by the Republican state treasurers that they were going to move away from any company that wasn't fully supporting fossil fuels um, was troubling to me. And I think, um, you know, as I think about my fiduciary duty, if I made statements like that, I think I would be violating my fiduciary duty. So uh, it'll be interesting on the campaign trail to see how this plays out. Uh, but the treasurer in Wyoming and in Utah and Arizona and Nebraska have all signed on to this. And so we'll see how it plays out in the campaign trail. So this is so interesting on so many levels. I I am... I understand, but um, I understand what they're trying to do. I, I really, and we've been pushing for a while, like let the technology, let's get innovative. Let's make things cleaner. Let's, let's invest in a way that's going to bless everybody. That's not going to cost a lot of jobs. That's not um, sidelining things that we can't do better on. Um, But for investments um, to be, politicized like that is dangerous. is yeah, yeah. It's dangerous yeah. And, and, and frankly and yeah. you could take it on the other side it could be only investing in companies that are 100% wind or 100% yeah. solar right. it's right. it's just not you're playing with people's money with this well, well you want to make smart decisions yeah. with that so and you want to make smart decisions but when you're talking about something like para and you know i'm assuming that they're that would include something like that. If, if somebody was to do something like that, you know, my husband's a teacher. Mm. We're going to be relying a lot on his retirement, but um, I think something in the action 22 footprint, something like all of the income is around 40, 45% of income in um, the action 22 footprint comes from para from there could because they're state employees you have so many people that work our teachers are work you know on in roads or whatever mm-hmm. they work for the state in some mm-hmm. way mm-hmm. and that ends up being that ends up being terrifying well and you know there's been moves in the legislature they haven't gone through to actually force para to divest from fossil fuels those have not gone through and and frankly you know there may be energy companies that appear to be fossil fuel companies at this point that are under the radar screen and because of disclosure they're not and competitiveness they're not uh, telling people what they're doing but they may be retooling to become uh, a company an energy company of the future and so yeah. you wouldn't want to sell that stock uh, if they were actually 
technologically or innovation-wise onto something that would cause that stock maybe undervalued at this point to be worth a lot more. Because they're investing in that sustainable Right, and it'd be a real asset in our our portfolio. We wouldn't want to dump that off. So I think that this is really an interesting moment in time. And again, you want to be extremely thoughtful and and you really want to adhere to your fiduciary uh, duty when you make these investment decisions to make sure that the that the investments are sustainable over the long time. So long term, this is just something um, to pay attention to, and we're going to um, talk about this. Uh, Brian has something else we're going to talk about in a few minutes that are totally unrelated. But one of the reasons that we do the show is because we always try to talk about things that maybe not other people are talking about or it's not the political rhetoric, but we want we want you to be paying attention to um, so that a light goes on when you hear this so you um, can remember, oh, wait, we heard something about this. We better be paying attention. This is one of those things you need to be paying attention to, a trend that you need to be tan- paying attention to. Okay, let's end on really great stuff with you. Sure. Okay. <laughs> So, what is it? So, everybody likes money. Yes. And you work with money every day. I do. So, how can I get some money for you from you? <laughs> well, the Great Colorado Payback, of course. So, the Great Colorado Payback is unclaimed property. And I'm going to give that URL that's so long. <laughs> yeah. It's like colorado.findyourunclaimedproperty.com is the URL. Um, I have some numbers here. Um, in Pueblo... There is um, $20 million in cash uh, just for the city of Pueblo residents. And I think the county was even bigger than mm-hmm. that. Um, I, can't, I can't read the small print here. but You said $22.5 million 22.5 for all million. of Pueblo County. Exactly. And I'm not even talking about all the other counties that are part of the Action right. 22. Yeah. I mean, I'm just talking about one out of the 22, right? But, uh, you know, there's uh, in Pueblo County, there's over 200,000 claims that are out there and uh, overall we're holding over one billion dollars of unclaimed property in the treasury most of it's cash Mm -hmm. some of it is safety deposit box contents we don't you know have bicycles and cars and things like that that's county level but at the state level uh, we're anxious to reunite people with this unclaimed property and so you can go to the url or if you can't remember that you can just search the great colorado payback and you should get to a page that has a picture of me on there you can put your name in you can put the zip code in you can search there may be, uh, if you have a common name, multiple claims that some of which are yours, some of which aren't yours, and then you have to kind of look through to see which ones are yours. But, um, you know, we've tried to streamline this. I think in years past, it was primarily paper-based, and it was very awkward. When I came into office, uh, there were 13,000 claims in the backlog, and we've cleared all those out now and moved to a digital interface, and, and we're really trying to streamline the, uh, the process. In fact, on some claims, if we search it out and we know you are actually the owner, the rightful owner, and we know the exact address you're at, we mail a letter saying, be on the lookout for a check, and we just send a check without actually having to file a claim. 
But, you know, we, all, we take our job seriously. We want to be sure we're returning the property to the rightful owner. So be patient with us. Uh, typically, that the money or the safety deposit box contents have to be dormant for five years before the bank or whoever it is sends that uh, money or property to us. And so we want to be sure we really do our work, and we may ask for additional information, including a Social Security number. To be absolutely certain, because nothing worse if we actually gave your money to the wrong person, right? Mm -hmm. right? So we want to be sure we're giving it to the right person. So you have to be a little patient. But uh, can I talk about the world? Yes. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So last year, I was the president of all unclaimed property programs around the world. And so we have two additional websites, unclaimed.org and missingmoney.com. And they have a map in each website. And you can actually... Click where you might have lived in another state or even another country. We have provinces in Canada. We have a program as far away as Kenya. And you can click around if you've lived in these other places and check to see if you left some property behind there as well. So all of these programs are very anxious to get um, money back to you, get property back to you. So go check it out. It's not just for um, for individuals either. So businesses, mm-hmm. faith-based organizations, uh, the Pike of the – Pike. Uh, Humane Society of the Pikes Peak region actually found $89,000 wow. uh, in unclaimed property and, and retrieved that. And, um, and you'll see, you know, sometime in, uh, in maybe December or January, we have a little film that Rocky Mountain PBS is going to put out that actually digs deeply into this. So we have individuals that are claiming and we have uh, businesses and uh, nonprofits that are claiming. And so... Uh, tell your friends, tell your family, tell your work colleagues, tell you the organizations you're part of. Go check it out. Yeah, yes. and I, I've i had some from a business, so I looked that up in October last mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. Got that. I, it wasn't much. It was 200 bucks, but 200 bucks that's a dinner. It's your money. That's a, that's a date. <laughs> you know? um, but then I checked again um, last week, and I had like two more pop up on it that I didn't have before. So it changes. Right. So keep going through so it. Going well, and you know, this is, it's not that people aren't paying attention to their money. Often you're not even aware yeah. that it's there. Can I give a personal story on yeah, this? Yeah, absolutely. So my grandmother, took out three life insurance policies, and she never told my mother or anyone else in the family that she'd done that. And this was in the early 60s when we first moved to Colorado Springs. And then, you know, we moved from that house to another house. In the meantime, 15 years later, she passed away. And so, you know, any forwarding information was Mm -hmm. long gone. And as a matter of fact, the city of Colorado Springs went up the street that we used to live on and renumbered the houses. So even if there had been forwarding, there wasn't any street number there for that house anymore. But we weren't even looking for it because we didn't know that these life insurance policies existed. So when she passed away, the insurance company tried to send the the checks and they bounced back to them. Mm -hmm. So eventually they ended up in the Treasury. And I think in the early 90s, they used to print these in the paper. I was looking through thousands and thousands of names. And I saw my mom's name in there three times. And I called them up and they said, you've got to submit some paperwork. I had to submit my grandmother's death certificate, my grandmother's or my mother's birth certificate to establish the connection. They wanted my grandmother's um, birth certificate, which was going to be a little hard because Mm -hmm. she was born at home in Wales (laughs) in the 1800s. So that wasn't available. But we worked with, you know, we worked with the unclaimed property division, and eventually, uh, you know, the checks arrived. 
So, you know, it's, it's, it's not laziness or for forgetfulness or anything like that. It's just things that happen in life that often you're not aware of, and this money's sitting out there, and you're not even uh, aware of it. So, so let me ask this, and, um, and then we'll, we'll get out of here. But money aside, what's one of the most unusual things you've seen that's been in there? <laughs> like, you know, a bar of gold from 1870 or something We like have that. a lot of interesting things in there. So we have uh, amazing jewelry and jewelry collections. We have loose stones. We have, you know, things that you would find in a, in a safety yeah. deposit box. We have coin collections, lots of gold coins, silver coins. We have silver bars. Don't have any gold bars that I'm aware of, but maybe we do, and I'm just not aware of it. Uh, we have the world's one of the world's smallest guns. Oh wow! We thought it was a charm bracelet for a you know charm. Yeah, it was a charm on a charm bracelet until we saw a YouTube video of somebody actually firing wow a similar gun, and we went, "Oh, that's a gun! <laughs> that's actually a gun!" And um, <laughs> but the most unusual thing that we have, Brian. We have a box of dirt. That's what I was going for. A box <laughs> of dirt. <laughs> and I don't know why somebody would store it. You know, it's not ashes. We'd be very careful about that. I'm not sure if there's some value to this dirt. We haven't <laughs> assayed it, but, you know, I'm not sure why somebody would put somebody, a box of dirt somebody in a Somebody bought um, a lordship in Ireland or something, and <laughs> that's their box. That's their land. Right. They titled themselves Lord whatever. The, but the thing you should know is that this is a trust fund. So we hold this material. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some of the things that are not really don't look like they're sentimental and, and have a lot of value, we might auction. But if we auction it, we hold the, the money forever. And, of course, any cash we hold forever. Um, and, um, you know, so you, it's not going to get – it's not going to disappear. Yeah. And uh, so people really – I do encourage people to go look for yeah. it. So, well, again, just – Everybody a, go and look for this. Go Absolutely. Look. $22.5 million just in Pueblo County. And, and it's not just you. It's, um, you know, your mother, your parents, your grandparents right. that may have passed away – uh, just like you said, with the life insurance, yeah. there's so so many of those out there that that the family didn't even realize they have. So one of the biggest, we call them holders, the companies that have this or entities that have this. One of the bigger ones right now that I'm working with at the federal level is the U.S. Treasury. Mm-hmm. They have 29 billion dollars of unredeemed savings bonds. Wow! And we're and, and we think it's about a half billion here, right in Colorado. And we're trying to get these back to Colorado so we can get them back to people. Wow. Love it. Love it. <laughs> um, disclaimer? Uh, we can do disclaimer. Do you want to talk about the other issue? What's the other issue? Um, the veterans. You're going to talk about that later? Okay. We'll, t- we'll talk about that we'll later. We'll talk about we, that we later. We want to end this on a positive note. Okay, so we're going to end this on a positive note. That'll be the next show. Okay, so, go ahead. Um, during an election season, Action 22 neither supports nor endorses candidates, but what we do is offer a platform for any Action 22 member running for office to come on our show, talk about their campaign, the issues, and what they're about. So with that, if you're running for office and you're a member of Action 22, email us at show at action22.org. If you're not a member of Action 22 and running for office, Join and then come on our show. Election season, our election day is coming up soon, and we want to get as many people that are running for office on here to tell you what they're about. Um, if you go on our website now, there is a page that all of our candidate interviews will have the videos up, so you can go and watch those uh, from you know 
county commissioner all the way up to U.S. Congress. So please check that out. That's at action22.org. And if you're not a member of Action 22 and not a candidate, but you want to learn more, email me again, show at action22.org or go to our website. Our website. All right. I can just I, wanted to oh, go ahead. One more yes. thing. In. Oh, Thank yeah. You. Thank yeah. you. Well, when you said veterans, it reminded me one thing. You know, these table refunds that are going out, the mm-hmm. checks that are going out, I know have been controversial. But one of the things that I've been telling people, and I happen to, um, to uh, run across the Home Lake uh, Home Veterans in, in yeah. when I was at the parade in Monta Vista. And, you know, often seniors don't have any reason to file their taxes. So, mm-hmm. you know, why file if you have no reason to do that? But this year you do. Mm-hmm. So if you are a senior that didn't file, if you file by October 17th, even though you weren't anticipating a refund for these Tabor refunds, you will get a check. It probably will come in December or January, yeah. but that's seven hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's, for a senior, that's not a small amount of no, money for a senior on fixed incomes. And you know, I think there was some confusion. You know, who should file, who shouldn't? But I'm really, for sure, emphasizing seniors should uh, go ahead and file. If you need help filing, you know, reach out. But yeah, uh, we want to make sure that people, because you, you know, a senior is a contributor. They were paying taxes yeah. a full lifetime, right? So, right. you know, they really ought to be able to file and get this this refund. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you, Dave. Um, we don't always know what the impact of the show is, um, but I found out that we've had a very big impact um, today, and I want to share that all with you. Chad Vorthman, I know that you're listening. It was so good to see all of your face today. There was no mustache. You're just, it was just smooth <laughs> like a baby's bottom. Wait, it was fantastic. Um, well, we'll have to show you. Chad Vorthman decided to grow a mustache. It, it wasn't, it wasn't what we wanted. But anyways, I know you're listening, Chad Vorthman, and uh, we appreciate, we appreciate you uh, returning to us in your full in your full face and form so um thanks we will see you guys next week thank you this episode of making action happen is sponsored by action 22's amazing energy leaders excel energy colorado rural electric association colorado oil and gas association gil romero and the capital success group black hills energy nextera energy san isabel electric association outshine energy Colorado Solar and Storage Association, Tri-State, and 174 Power Global. Action 22 is a nonpartisan, membership-driven organization which serves as a voice for action on public policy for 22 southern Colorado counties on the state and federal level. We focus on how issues relating to Colorado legislation, local government affairs, health care, education, and natural resources intersect for the economic health of our region. If you're a leader in your community and are considering joining Action 22, you can get more information by emailing show at action22.org or visit our website at action22.org. Thank you for tuning in to Making Action Happen. Be sure to join your hosts, Sarah Blackhurst and Brian McCain, for another edition of the show on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a good week.